0: Lord, as we dig into the the mystery, the great mystery of your will this morning, Lord, I pray that you would uh, open our minds and soften our hearts to your truths, your realities. Uh, God, let us us approach your word as always in humility, uh, Lord, so that we may learn what you would have for us. God, speak through me as we approach your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Please have a seat. So it is Family Sunday, we've said that a couple of times, uh, if this is your first time at Outward, this is not what it looks like every week, the kids help bring a level of professionalism that we don't normally have, they kind of, you know, on a normal week things are a little more amateurish, so bear with us here, uh, and uh, we, we appreciate the kids helping us really step it up a notch uh, on every level, uh, we just need to find a kid to preach, uh, and we'd be good, maybe, uh, maybe we can work that out. Um, so we, we do this for a couple reasons. Um, one is, is, you know, we do this once per quarter. It gives our children's workers a break. They sacrifice every single week. They go back there, they spend the entire service not in here worshiping and, and sitting under the, the ministry of the word, but ministering to our kids. And we're so grateful. This gives them a week off, and so we're, we're excited about that. The other thing we're excited about is that we get the opportunity to show our kids what it is to be a part of the church, not just children's church, but, but the whole church so that as they see us worship as parents and, and as a church, as a community, even those of you without kids, you're modeling to the kids around you what, what, a, what a person looks like, uh, an adult who is fully engaging with and, and worshiping the Lord. We give them chances to serve so that when they transition out of children's ministry, it's not such an abrupt move, but the kids already know what to expect uh, and, and how they can participate as a part of the church. So since it's Family Sunday, I know there's going to be some noise, I know some of the kids are, are going to get bored of me talking, uh, and they're going to cause some disruptions, it's totally okay. We expect that on Family Sunday, so don't feel any need to get up and leave or anything like that. I'm, I'm okay. If you want to move to the back or whatever, stay in your seat, we're, we're good, uh, we're, we're, we're flexible on Family Sunday. So, uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Some of you kids may not know much about me, uh, as, as maybe as much as the adults, but you see, I, I love a mystery. I've always loved a good mystery. In fact, a, as a kid, I would read uh, the Hardy Boys books. Anybody read the, the Hardy Boys book? Yeah, yeah, a few, right? I love the mystery. I love that they, they go in with the, with the uh, desire to solve this mystery. Who did it? When did they do it? Where did they do it? What what was happening there? Um, I, I love that. You, I also loved uh, Sherlock Holmes books, right? I love Sherlock Holmes. Maybe maybe some of you have enjoyed Scooby-Doo, right? The other great mystery series. Uh, I'm sensing a, a lot of laughter. I don't know if that funny yet, but that's all good. Uh, some of you now may, may listen to like true crime uh, podcasts and, and shows. and things. I feel like people are looking past me. Uh, there's, what? There's something. There's something behind me. There's nothing behind me. The band left already. Thank you, though. Uh, and, and I learned some things from these, from these mysteries. It, you're still looking past. Should I look behind me? Should I, sh- I, I should turn around and look behind me. There's no one there. I know. Okay, I'll turn around and I'll look. There's no one there. Ha ha, you guys pranked me. That's good. I don't know how you're all in on it, but that's... That's good. So I learned from these, uh, from these books and from these shows that to discover, to get to the bottom of a good mystery, you need to know three things. You need to talk to witnesses, you need to talk to experts, and you need to examine the evidence. I still feel like people are, are looking past me. Is, is there, what's going on back there? Why are you looking past me? I don't know. There, there, Scooby-Doo, on, like on the TV? Scooby, no, it's just the Ephesians logo. There's no Scooby-Doo there. It's, it's all good. I, look look behind me. I did. You guys got me once. Okay, okay. I'll look behind me. There's no one there. There's no one there. Behind the drums? Behind. Oh, my goodness. L- let, me, let me entertain the kids here. I'll go look behind the drums. I'll go around here. Oh, I don't see any Scooby-Doo. I don't see any. I'll, I'll go all the way back here, okay? We're looking, there's nothing back here. You know, I sit back here on the drum. Uh. Rural. <laughs> <laughs> uh h- hello, you, you got, uh, this is quite the interruption. You wanna, you wanna join me up, up front here? Or, uh, w- what are you guys doing? Mystery. <laughs> um, mis- mystery. You, you know this is church, right? This is church. <laughs> a bloody good mystery we're on. Uh, you, you, what? We're what? You're looking for clues. Clues, looking for clues. Clues for what? What's the mystery? You're trying to. The, the bloody good mystery of God's will. The mystery. The mystery of God's will. The mystery of God's will. Well, how are you intending to find the mystery of God's will? Well, we've got a couple of things here. I have a giant magnifying glass to help me look. I, I really don't think a and giant magnifying. So, <laughs> that <laughs> that that may help. That that might help you find the mystery of God's will. No, actually, you guys, I was just about to explain uh, and reveal the mystery of God's will in in my message. You're going to tell us. I'm going to yes, and and everyone. This is what I'm... we do. We're the experts in this. <laughs> well, I you. I'm going to show you. you see. What, what Jesus tells us is it's not revealed to the wise or to the experts, but the mystery of God is revealed to, to children. Oh. Children. My like Reverend. Well, sure, or middle school, high school, uh, even oh, preschool maybe, yeah. Yeah, all, all the reverend. children. Yeah, all the children. Uh, well, why don't you guys have a seat? Uh, we we could thank Sherlock and, and Scooby, thank you for helping us out. We will be revealing... The great mystery of God's plan and God's will here. I did not know I was signing up for a family Sunday when they asked me to preach. Just for the record. All right, listen. Three things I learned from the Hardy Boys on how to get to the bottom of a good mystery. Number one, we need to talk to some witnesses. Number two, we can talk to an expert uh, who might know something that we don't know. And number three, uh, we can examine the evidence. All right, let's let's dig right in. Let's talk to the witnesses. Uh, first of all, let, let me reread the, the, the verse. We, we read 3 through 14 uh, in Ephesians 1. And let me just remind you that's one sentence. Uh, in the original Greek, Paul loved run-on sentences. He just went and went. The, we're still in the first sentence. What are we, six weeks in? We're still doing the first sentence. Like, this book's going to take forever. It's a long sentence, though. Uh, he's, he's kind of establishing the theme for the rest of the book, so it makes sense we take some time. We're, we're just narrowing in on part of the sentence. Now, in English, they break it up with some periods there to help us wrap our heads around it. But, but originally, this is one sentence. But in, in verse 8 and 9, he begins to shift His purpose a little bit. So, verse 8 again, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. Or you might say the mystery of His plan. Right? God has a plan and and there's a mystery to it and He's going to reveal the mystery of His plan according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ uh, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him things in heaven, and things on earth. So that's, we're going to narrow in there on, on verses 8 through 10, specifically verse 9. Uh, so when we, when we think about witnesses that we might talk to, witnesses that might have seen something or know something about this great mystery of God's plan, well, the first one I would go to is Paul. In fact, later in this book, in Ephesians 3, 3, Paul tells us how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly, Paul had this incredible experience where he was actually persecuting the church. He was he was trying to round up and imprison the Christians because he was so opposed to this Jesus guy and his crazy followers. So he was rounding up Christians and imprisoning them and at, on the road to a city with papers in hand to arrest these Christians, Jesus stops him on the road, blinds him, shows himself and tells him, "You're not going to do that anymore." Uh, in fact, you're going to go and, and you're going to preach for me. You're not going to persecute me, right? And Paul goes on to write a good portion of the New Testament of the Bible. It, it's incredible. He is an eyewitness. He's seen it. And we see in his life that he became uh, from persecutor to preacher. Another witness I might call on would be John, the Apostle John. He also wrote a good portion of the New Testament. The, the Apostle John was a good, close friend to Jesus, In fact, in, in the Gospel of John, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. Instead of using his own name, he said the one whom Jesus loved, which I think might be a little bit of a humble brag. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, he's, he's real close to Jesus, Jesus' best friend. And in 1 John 5, a letter that he writes later on, he says, I write so that you may know of your salvation. He, he writes so that we may know. He is an eyewitness, and he wants to tell us what he's seen and John, in, in, in his gospel, he tells us what he saw. One of the things he saw is people came to find Jesus. You see, there was a guy named Nicodemus who was one of the Pharisees. <clears throat> and and uh, he came in the middle of the night. He didn't want anyone to know that he was curious, but he came in the middle of the night and, and, and said, Jesus, I have some questions for you. I want to know about this mystery. Can you tell me? And Jesus told him some things about the mystery. And, and there was a, a rich young ruler who came and, and he asked Jesus the question, what, what shall I do? What do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? Tell me the secret, Jesus. Reveal to me the mystery. John and Paul both tell us as witnesses, they tell us that we should talk to Jesus. We see this in, in uh in mystery shows or, or books sometimes, right? You go and you talk to the eyewitnesses. The Hardy Boys might ask them uh, ask some eyewitnesses and they go, well, I didn't see much. Here's what I saw, but you should go talk to this person, right? That sometimes is the job of a witness to say, there's someone that's gonna know the answers you're looking for. You should go talk to them. And Paul and John both tell us as eyewitnesses, you need to talk to Jesus. You need to see what Jesus has to say. He's revealing his mystery, right? Which brings me right to my next point. Uh, the Hardy Boys would often talk to experts. Now, here's the tricky thing. When we think of experts, we often, kids, do, do we think of like grown-ups, right? Grown-ups might be experts, like a teacher uh, or, or something like that. Maybe somebody that, that works a job, uh, you know, that, that has to do with the thing you're trying to learn about. Uh, maybe, you know, you, you, uh, you, you do, uh, you know, go to work with, with mom or dad and, and you learn something of, of what they do all day. They might be experts, Right? The, the adults might be experts, uh, but it, it's not the adults. It's not the grown ups. The experts are not necessarily who you think. It's not really, really smart people who are necessarily the experts when it comes to the mystery of God's plan. It's not. And, and many religions, many religions, uh, kind of mystic religions, they, they, will, they will tout that there is a secret and that the only one who knows the answer to the secret is the leader, right? They, they will tout that you need to come to us. Scientology came to mind this week as I was looking at this. I read a book about Scientology. It's fascinating to me uh, and, and, and disturbing in, in many ways, right? But in Scientology, uh, you might pay a couple hundred dollars for your initial audit Uh, And in this, they're going to help you work through some of your struggles in life and and some of your past things. And and that makes you pre-clear. And then to attain to the status of clear, you you have to pay then maybe $650 for an additional auditing uh, course and then another course. And I saw prices range all the way up to uh, like $22,000 for this course because they're going to reveal the mystery. Uh, If you just shell out some cash, they'll reveal this great mystery to you. And, and they, they hide it as if it's this secret thing, and, and they know something. And if you pay enough money, if you have enough cash to, to dole out, you could be like Tom Cruise, right? I think that's the ultimate goal is to become Tom Cruise. I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's where it all falls apart for me. I, I don't know. I like Top Gun, but it's, it's all good. Uh, so, but it's not, it's not really, really smart people. That's not who, this, uh, who the experts are. Let, let's read Matthew eleven twenty five. Jesus tells us something here. Uh, Matthew 11:25, it says, "At that time Jesus declared, "I thank you, Father, Lord of Heaven and Earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding." right? That's the, the grown-up category, the wise and the understanding. Uh, you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to little children." Oh, Father, the Father God, has revealed these things to the children. Oh, this is exciting. This is getting good here. Uh, uh, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You see, in, in Romans, it tells us that that claiming to be wise, people became fools, right? That like as people grow up, as we become adults, we start to think ourselves very wise. We start to think ourselves very smart uh, sometimes and, and we stop looking for God and, and we start acting like we're our own gods, right? This is the great folly that people, uh, mankind has fallen into from the garden on, that, that we try to be like God. We try to be in control of everything. We have a plan and a purpose and a will, and we are moving in this direction and claiming to be wise. We've become fools. We're not God. We're not God, right? In many ways, the children have it right. They, they look for God. They, they, they look for the one who made everything. They look for uh, the real expert. So, the expert's uh, that we should talk to, it, it's not the grown-ups, it's it's not the leaders of the church, it's not somebody who claims to have figured something out uh, or seen some magical golden plates or anything like that. It's, it's not that, but instead, it's Jesus. Who's the expert? Well, Jesus even says, no one knows the Father except the Son. How are we to discover the mystery of God's plan if not from the Son of the Father who made the plan, right? Who knows the Father better than Jesus? Nobody. And then it goes on to say, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And I would argue that it's it's not necessarily just children, but, but anyone who, uh, right, Jesus tells Nicodemus when He comes to Him, you must be born again. We must become children. We, we must submit ourselves to Jesus' leadership, His rule, His reign. We must become children of uh, in the faith god's children, and then He reveals to us his mystery, so Jesus is the expert, so we we talk to the witnesses, they point us to the expert we we talk to the expert, we, we look at what Jesus has to say, and then we examine the evidence. What is the evidence of this mystery of god and 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 the, the, the mystery here, which, which we'll get into in, in just a moment, uh, it's not a great secret. <clears throat> it was in the verse, if you caught it, right? To unite all things together in Christ. What is the evidence that, that the Hardy Boys or Sherlock Holmes or Scooby-Doo might examine? What is the evidence? Well, the, the evidence is a life changed. The evidence is in this room. You see, every time the mystery of God's plan is revealed to a person, we see a life changed. Right? We see a life changed. These are the evidences we can see. When when God reveals his great mystery to someone's mind and to their heart, we see hope where once someone was hopeless. We see purpose in a person where maybe they lacked purpose. We see joy where once there was despair we see peace where someone was restless love where someone was lonely patience where someone lacked patience kindness in someone who was once harsh we see gentleness being developed paul in another letter calls these things the fruit of the spirit we might call them evidences right we might call this evidence to be examined that point us to the mystery of god's great plan that's the evidence. So, so, let's get into it. Now, what, what is this mystery? Well, I, I revealed it just a moment ago the, the mystery is that God is uniting all things together in Christ, that, that He's healing the broken, He's bringing things together. This is what the witnesses and the experts and the evidence revealed to us about the great mystery of God's plan. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, who, who is, is just brilliant, he says this, and, and I thought this was helpful, the mystery is not unknowable, but is undiscoverable to the unaided human mind. You see, what we need to discover, the mystery of God's will, is, is not a bunch of things here. We need God to work in us. We need the Holy Spirit to, to work in us, to enable us to believe, because without God's understanding, without God initiating and working in us, which is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, without God starting that work, the, the, the mystery of God's plan seems like foolishness. 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Right? This is not hard to know intellectually. But it is undiscoverable to the unaided, the natural human mind and will. We, we must have God move in us and draw us to himself. That's what Jesus tells us. He is uniting all things together in Christ. And, and I would go on to say this. He, God has a great plan. God has a great plan, and he is, he's working all these things together. He, he's he's going to take the broken and the deteriorating things of the world, and he's going to make them united together in him, uh, with him, in Christ. This is God's great plan. He's made it known to us. It's clear. It's plain. God wants to heal the broken. He wants to fix that which has been lost. He wants to restore and repair starting with the relationship between us and him. We must start with that relationship, the relationship that was broken first in Genesis 3, when mankind decided, Adam and Eve, they took the fruit and they said, we want to be like God. We want to know good and evil. We want to make our own calls. We want to make our own decisions. And and they made a choice to rebel against God, and it broke the relationship. But you know what it didn't break? It did not break God's Plan. God's great plan cannot be uh, foiled by our sin, by our decisions. God's great plan includes even the choices we make. I'm not saying He makes those choices for us. I'm saying that His plan includes our choices. I think it's a bigger concept than than that our human mind, at least my human mind, can wrap uh, itself around fully. But but God's plan, it includes the little things, it includes our choices, it includes the bad things that happen. All of these things are, are moving to, to a certain direction. The relationship between us and God, it, it was broken. God wants to restore it. But before that can happen, we need Jesus to enter, right? This is where the cross comes in, that Jesus came and he lived a perfect life that we should have lived. He... he, he uh, died on the cross in our place for our sins as our substitute, right? And he gives us his righteousness in exchange for our sinfulness. He trades us. This is the great exchange. This is what God is doing to, re, uh, to, to start with healing this relationship between us and him. Isaiah 53, 10, uh, it, it says this, yet it was the will of the Lord. Here we go again. This is God's plan It was the, the, we can almost exchange the word will and plan here, right? It was the, the plan of the Lord to crush him, that is Jesus. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. There it is, right? As the righteous one, Jesus, goes to the cross, he's making many to be counted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Before Jesus came and went to the cross, the the mystery, the great mystery of God's plan was this. All things in history good and bad, all the sinful choices people were making, all of the good things that happened, it it was all moving history to a moment where Jesus would come, God in the flesh, and he would die on the cross for our sins. All of history before the cross pointed to that moment. And now all of history, here's the, the mystery of God's will, all of history is pointing to another moment when Jesus returns, when King Jesus takes his throne we, we wait now for the time where there will be no more tears and no more pain, where death shall be put to death, as Paul tells us in Corinthians. Decay will decay and go away, right? Suffering will suffer and die. Finally and ultimately, loss will be lost. Fear will be scared off. Jesus is coming he is coming to restore all things. He is coming to be king fully and on his throne. And now today, we wait. And I, I heard Tim Keller, uh, a great, great pastor and preacher, uh, he, he gave a great metaphor to explain this, which I thought would be really appropriate today. Uh, so I'm going to rip him off here, okay? Um, kids, plagiarism's fine. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, t- Tim Keller, you just got to quote him, right? Tim Keller, he gives this metaphor. He goes, uh, you know, the kids, we've all had this experience. The kids get in the car and we're going to a, a far-off destination. For us, uh, every every year we like to go camping. Uh, one time, that's about all I can take. We go camping uh, at, at Wallawa Lake. It's, I, I think, a five-hour drive or something for someone who doesn't have kids in the car. It's like a nine-hour drive with kids because the bathroom stops. Uh, right? So it, it's, a, it's a long haul. And, and we get, I, I remember this just... Uh, uh, last year or, or year before, we get in the car, we pile all the kids in, we're all in the van uh, and we start driving, we pull out of our driveway, we go around the corner, the, the road kind of circles back behind our house and literally we can still see our house through the backyard and one of my daughters says, are we there yet? <sighs> Nine hours to go. Uh, sweetheart, We we are not there yet. Uh, technically, I'm not sure you can say we've started <laughs> no, because we can still see the house. This is what it's like in this life. There is this great destination where Jesus is king and all things are made right. And we're in the car. Dad's driving, right, who seems all powerful. He's in control of the speed at which this happens. And the kids want to know, why don't you go faster? Why aren't we there yet? Why am I uncomfortable? Dad, I'm hungry, right? All of the things we hear. From our kids in the back seat, and 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 as a dad, I might explain, well, there's there's speed limits, uh, right? I can't just go any speed I want. There's also physical limits. We cannot teleport uh, to Wallowa Lake. We, that that doesn't happen. Uh, and and so this is going to be long, and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. We can make the best of it, but it's going to be a little uncomfortable until we get to that destination. And and that is the the time. Uh, at which we're in right now. So let's, let's not doubt the mystery of God's great plan, but let's just know that, that we have not yet seen it fully realized, but God is moving that direction. All things in history, big and little, good and bad, it's all pointing. It's all headed toward that time. God works together all things for the good of those who love him. If Jesus is your king, then everything that's happening in the world is for your good because it's bringing about Jesus' full and complete kingship. But it's for for those who love him. If Jesus is not your king, if you prefer to be your own king, then every single thing that's happening in all of the world is against you. Everything that's happening in God's great mysterious plan is actually working to dethrone you and to place Jesus on the throne properly. It is good for those who love him. It's not so for those who don't. Let's love him. If you have not, given, give your life to him. Let him be king. He's made for it. Let me pray. Father God, we love you so much, and we are so grateful uh, that, that you have a great plan. God, that we can take peace in knowing that you have a great plan. God, we can rest knowing that you are in control of all things, and we don't have to be. God, would you help us to trust in your plan? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to invite the ushers forward right now as as the band.